When did church in people's minds ever become about something other than meeting with God? Just think about that. Think about some of the church services you and I have been to. Let's just think about that right now, okay? Let's go back down memory lane, okay? I'm not going to name too many different churches here. We don't want to embarrass anybody. I'm not going to name the one that I always pick on every week. Not going to do that, amen? Not going to name that church. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about, and that's okay. But just think about all those services you've been to. How many of them literally did you walk in, feel nothing, walk out feeling nothing? How many times did you go to those places? How many times did, at at, at the greatest, at the most, maybe you just felt better about yourself? Like a motivational service. Think about that. Think about the emotion that you probably had at your favorite baseball game, soccer game. Now compare it to those services. Did it even compare emotionally? No. Come on, those services were boring compared to your favorite baseball game. Am I right? I mean, let's just be honest. Come on. I mean, let's just be honest. If you had to pay a ticket to go to that service, you wouldn't have paid that ticket, would you? Let's just talk about it. And then let's go to this book we call the Bible. I mean, how many times have you heard stories from this book but never seen them demonstrated? I mean, how many times did you go to services and people told you that Jesus did healings but you never saw a miracle? How many times have you gone to services and it talks about casting out demons, Jesus cast out demons, and there was never any demons cast out? Hello? Let's just be honest. Come on, let's just talk about that. How many times... Did you go to the service and they said, God is everywhere, but you never felt Him? You see, what we are doing is we are lining up. What Metro Praise is doing is it's beginning to face north. Like a compass, it's beginning to face the right direction. This church is not like other churches, and thank God for that. Amen? Thank God for that. Now, there's other good churches. Praise God, we're not the only one. God has raised up awesome churches across the land. But listen to me. If you want a church where the pastor dresses up fancy, you know, where, where, you know, the building's, you know, plated with 24 karat gold or, you know, whatever, you can find one of those. I think the, the, the one on Cumberland has, you know, these golden domes, okay? So you can go to the Golden Dome Church on Cumberland. Every time I go to see my wife, uh, when I used to visit her before we were married, I could just see this Golden Dome Church, okay? You can go there. I mean, this is America. You have freedom. You can go there, okay? And you can sit in there and you can do whatever in the world they do. Amen? But not here. Not today. Amen? Not here and not today. This is the day we meet with Jesus. This is the day we come and talk to the Lord. This is the day where we do more than just sing songs about Him. Like God is great, God is big, God is this, God is that. No, we actually sing songs to Him. Like He's standing right with us. Because He is. Now some of the things that have been happening in our services, people may think are abnormal. But listen to me. When the subnormal world sees Christians acting normal, they want to call it abnormal. By the time Christians get their temperature to the normal place, the frozen chosen think they have a fever. Listen to me. I'm going to say that again. By the time the church gets to its normal temperature of being spiritually hot, The frozen, chosen, ice-cold, stone-cold heart church thinks that we have a fever. But we're not running a fever. We're just hanging out with Jesus. We just believe again that Jesus comes. We just believe again that He answers prayer. 
We just believe that He sets people free, that demons get cast out, that people get healed, that His glory covers the place. That literally, before we got in here, this was just a normal building. But now this is a place where the glory resides. We've had people come to our services and begin to manifest demonic spirits in the presence of God here. We've had people get healed. We've had people come with pain in their body. And they don't experience that pain anymore because God begins to heal them. We've had people say, I want a sign from God. I want a sign from God. And God gives them a word right in the middle of service. This is for you. Shows them beyond a shadow of a doubt that He's real. But what do we do as Christians, man? What are we going to do? What type of church do you want to invite your friends to? Those of you that are visitors, thank you for coming. What type of church do we want to prepare for them? Not a subnormal church, not a frozen chosen church. We want God's church. Can you say amen? I want you to turn with me to the book of Acts. And I want you to see what God said would be a normal church. This is what he said a normal church would be, Acts chapter 2. And then I'm going to start going through the message. On the back of your announcements, everybody, uh, get the announcements, please. Ushers, hand those out quickly, please. Thank you. Because on the back of your announcements, you guys can take notes. You already have them? Okay, good. Amen. Put on the top there, close encounter of the God kind. Today's message is called close encounter of the God kind. Do you know that probably more people today believe that an alien can touch them and visit them and abduct them than they do that God could show up in a church service? Let's just be honest. More people make documentaries and books and movies about what aliens can do than the creator of the universe. I just want to remind you today through the Bible that God still shows up. God still touches people's lives. You can actually feel God's presence. And in a few minutes, if you're not saved, get saved. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. If you've been afflicted by the devil, you'll be set free. And then the rest of us can just take another drink in the river. Amen? That's called a good service. Praise God. So just look at Acts chapter 2. This is a normal service. This is the beginning of church. So you want to know where the church started? It started in the book of Acts. Jesus left and went to heaven and said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. That's all the disciples. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. So here you see a visitation of the God kind. Amen? Here is God coming from heaven, filling the building. And when He comes, there comes with a great wind this time. And it fills the house. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. That's what it seemed to be. It could have been angels. It could have been just other manifestations of the Holy Ghost. But that's the only thing they could describe it as. It looked like flames of fire that separated and came to uh, the rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That's the start of our church. How do you think church should look like today? God coming into the building. Maybe the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Maybe tongues of fire. Maybe you falling down, going boom and crying. I don't know. But just God coming into the building, I think that's very important. And then all of us getting filled with God's Spirit. Now, there's a lot of things that people have questions about when God has encounters with them. I just wanted to give you a starting point. Let's start talking about some different things that God does when He comes. Number one, He's going to talk to you. So go to John 10. List these out. Number one, God will talk to you. That was the opening scripture. No matter how hard I try, I still can't get away from like a, a point in an outline mind. <laughs> when I preach, I just, Lord has to like reboot me, I guess, a whole bunch of times. Or maybe it's not as bad as sometimes I think it is. I just want to be free. Amen. But I still have the introduction. and It's like oh, when, I, when I get it down, though, that's how I get it. Look at uh, John 10 and go down to verse 14. Close encounters of the God kind, opening Scripture, God gives His Spirit. Now, what type of relationship are we supposed to have with Father, uh, God the Father? Look at John 10, 14. I am the Good Shepherd, Jesus talking. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know them, I lay down my life for the sheep. Some may say the crucifixion. 
Amen. It says, I have other sheep. They are too. Uh, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. That's talking about Gentiles. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. So listen to that. They shall listen to my voice, and they shall know me. Now go up just a little bit further. Go up to around verse 10. Go up around verse 10. And look what it says right here, starting in verse, say, 7. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All whoever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life, and life to the full. Okay, so number one, what, what happens when you first get into Jesus' sheep pen and He becomes your shepherd? He begins to speak to you. You begin to hear His voice. Did you all see that? It says they hear His voice. Go back down to verse 14. Just look at it. I just wanted to give you a little context right there. But it says right there, they know my voice. They know my voice. They, will not, they too will listen to my voice. Okay, so let's start right there. What should happen when we come to church? We should hear Jesus. Amen. Just think about that. We should hear Jesus. Now, for us to hear Him, that means He has to be with us, right? So go to Matthew chapter 20. I'm just going to bounce all over the Bible and just show you tons and tons of experiences that you and I should expect when we come to church that we should share with lost people and say, this is what it means to be a Christian. We should demonstrate it with our lives. I'm going to start off real easy. He's got to be in the building. He's going to speak to us. Matthew chapter 28, looking all the way down to verse 20, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the what? The age. So there you go. There you got the context right there. Jesus says, as the church goes out, I'll be with them. As they're going out, he says, you'll always hear my voice. Look at John 16. What does the voice sound like? Where does the voice come from? Okay, that's a good question. Let's start with the first one. Where does the voice come from? John 16. What you're going to learn is that the voice of God comes from the Holy Spirit. Now, he can speak audibly. Don't be surprised if he does. Many people see visions of God and of angels. It's not as uncommon as you may think it is. It's really not. You can see visions of God and angels. But he will always speak all the time to everybody through the Holy Spirit. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. Look at John 16:5. Now I'm going to him who sent me. See, Jesus is talking here. He's about ready to roll out. Yet none of you ask me where I'm going because I said these things, you're filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it's good that I'm going away unless I go. The Counselor will not come to you. Everybody say, the Counselor. Amen. That's the Holy Spirit. I will send Him to you. When He comes, He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. Or in regard to sin, because men do not believe in me in regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father. Where they, you, you can no longer see me in regard to judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So let's just think about this. Jesus will be in a place through the Holy Spirit and He's going to talk to us. And the first thing the Holy Spirit's going to do is make us feel guilty. <laughs> Hello? Some of you who feel guilty, I remember, oh man, Nancy and I were just out this weekend with a couple that some of you guys know, and uh, we were out with them, and it was just like one of those people we haven't seen for a while, and so we wanted to go out with them, and we assumed that they would know because we're pastors, and they're pastors, that at the dinner we would ask them about their relationship with God. But as we began to talk to them about God, they began to say they felt attacked and uncomfortable and that we had an agenda. And I said to them, did you forget who I was? <laughs> Have you not been with me for that long of a time that you did not know that at this dinner table I was going to talk about Jesus? Amen. And what shocked them is when I said to them, you both are on the highway to hell. It's my new way of saying it. I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, the world that leads to destruction is wide. Many there be that find it. Amen. That's what the Bible said. And I said, y'all are on the highway to hell. They were like, <laughs> they like gasped. Like, oh, I can't believe you just told me that. 
You're trying to make us feel guilty. Well, I'm not personally doing it, but the Holy Spirit right here, you see our buddy? You're you, you looking at me crazy. Why don't you look at your Bible real quick? Verse 8, it says, when he comes, he will convict the world of... No, 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 look at verse 8. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt. He will convict the world of guilt. Just highlight that word guilt just so everybody can see it. So here's the problem right now with most people not wanting to hang out with Jesus. Before I get to the shaking in the Spirit, before I get to the laughing in the Spirit, before I get to the falling out, before I get to the prophesying, before I get to all of that, let me just start right here. Why most people don't go far with Jesus. Let me tell you why most people, when we start worshiping God, for the majority, because until we transform this community, want to sit here with their hands folded, maybe some of you just were, it's because you're guilty of your sin. It's because the only thing you're thinking about while you're here right now is your sin, and that's a good thing, because God's putting that on your heart. He's shining a spotlight on who you are. And, and some people say, well, God won't make me feel guilty. Well, you're a liar and so is the devil and y'all must be hanging out because you're telling lies. But Jesus said, you will feel guilt in regard to your sin, righteousness, and judgment when He comes. When He comes. When He's really in the building, the first thing He's going to do is make sinners feel guilty about who they are on the inside. That doesn't mean He doesn't love you. It doesn't mean He doesn't want to spend time with you. He's just saying we got to talk about some stuff. Amen. Now, thank God my wife and I don't go to bed angry. But if we did, I guarantee you, if we woke up the next morning, I couldn't pretend nothing happened. And that's why I say to couples, never go to bed with, with, with anger. Always settle it. Because the next day you'll keep carrying over and carrying over. And see, some people, you know, want to bounce around from their church to their church, show up here every now and then, and they think they're going to have a Holy Ghost time. They're going to feel joy and all this with us. No, no, no. The reason why you may feel a little awkward during our worship services is because you are a sinner. It's because you're in sin. And you need to change. That's, that's Jesus right there talking. He said, did we, not, did we get rid of the highlight, brother? Keep that highlight for me. Amen. Thank you, brother. I tell you the truth. It's good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you when he comes. Here he is. Jesus, thank you for sending the Holy Ghost. He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now go on down to verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Isn't that awesome? Come on, all that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will take from what's mine and make it known to you. In a little while you will see me no more than after a while you will see me. See there, Jesus is saying, He's going to die, He's going to resurrect, but then He's going to eventually go to heaven. The Holy Spirit will come here. And the first thing He's going to do is start dealing with the world according to sin, righteousness, and judgment. And once you and I get born again, we give in to the hound of heaven. That's what the old timers used to call the Holy Ghost. The hound of heaven, because He's going to sniff out every sin in you. He's going to sniff out every bad attitude. He's He's going to get it out and get you holy. Amen. He's going to get you saved. And once you're saved, the Bible says the Holy Spirit now is going to always be bringing you into truth. He's always going to be leading you. He's always going to be taking what is Jesus's and give it to you. So from this point on, when we talk about all the things that God does in our life, it starts with the relationship of the Holy Spirit. Now we know that the Holy Spirit was given in the book of Acts. We just read that. It came down, tongues of fire, mighty wind. They began to speak in tongues. That was it. Now here it is. God is speaking. God is convicting. And now those that have accepted Him, God is leading you into all truth through the Holy Spirit. And now you and I can continually have close encounters of the God kind. We can continually commune with God. And when the divine meets our humanity, there's going to be a lot of manifestations. When God's divine power 
meets the demonic in this world, there's going to be divine, this is going to be deliverance. There's going to be power. When, when God's divine power meets your sorrow in your soul, you're going to get touched. You're going to feel Jesus touching you. You're not just going to come up and say a little prayer like, hey, I'm struggling with pornography. You know, Lord, help me walk away. No, you're going to get zapped by Jesus up here. You're going to feel the Holy Spirit run through you. Are you ready for some of these things? Amen? I want to show you some of the things that God is doing and has always done and will always do. Once you get in line with Him, once you're over the guilt of your sin and all of the various things that you hide from Him, once you can be an open book. You know, we just heard that scripture in Psalms 24. It says, Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? This is an Old Testament guy, David, saying, What can I do to get in God's presence where His Ark of the Covenant is? In the Old Testament, God didn't show up everywhere. He was only in one place. That was in the temple. And so David is saying, What do I have to do to hang out with God right here in this temple? What do I have to do? He said, I've got to have clean hands. That means I've got to watch what I do with my life. Number two, I've got to have a pure heart. That means I've got to keep my inside clean. And he said, number three, I can't lift up my soul to an idol. I can't put anything before God. And then lastly, not swear deceitfully, to always tell the truth. The Bible says, that man shall receive the blessing from the Lord. He said, this is the generation that seeks God's face. Amen? So when you're talking about being a God seeker, always going after God in the New Testament, we don't have to go to a tabernacle or an Ark of the Covenant. God is within us. And what He's desiring is for us to have a relationship with Him, to experience Him, and then to go out there and change the world. Amen? I want you to turn with me to Jeremiah 5.22. Now when the Holy Spirit comes, people may shake under the power of God. Jeremiah 5, 22, Jeremiah was a prophet. There was a group called the Quakers back in the 16 and 1700s. They're still around today. They were called the Quakers because when they would get in God's presence, they would shake. They would tremble in His presence. You see, they would get around God and they would experience Him. You see, they let God take over. They let God have control. Now, of course, whenever you see things of the Spirit, there can always be things of the flesh imitating that. When we've cast out evil spirits, we've heard them speak in devil tongues. We've heard all types of crazy stuff. Of course, I could sit here and shake my hand, and I could say, God is shaking my hand, you know. And I could lie, and I could be doing it myself. But those of us who trust the Lord and trust each other, we can understand that God can shake us. And that when we get into His presence, it's just Him touching us. And see, what I want us to do is take the lid off of God. This idea that, you know, you come to church and you may just pray a couple prayers, maybe cry a couple tears, and then you go home. No, let God shake you and bake you. Let Him give you tongues of fire. Let Him do whatever He wants to do with you. Let God just saturate your soul. Look at Jeremiah 5.22. Jeremiah 5.22, it says... Should you not fear me, declares the Lord? Should you not tremble in my presence? Hallelujah. We've lost the fear of God. I made the sand a boundary for the sea. An everlasting barrier cannot cross. The waves may roll, but they may not prevail. They may roar, but they cannot cross it. Should you not tremble in my presence? I'm not saying make yourself tremble. I'm just saying, when was the last time you thought so deeply on God and who He was that He caused you to tremble? Oh, I didn't know God can do that. Yeah, He can do that. I want you to see it now in Jeremiah's life. Turn to Jeremiah 23, 9. Watch what happens when he starts getting close with God. Watch what happens when Jeremiah actually wants to hang out with God. Church is not just about you hanging out with me. Church is not about you just hearing a lesson. When we go back to worshiping God here in a few minutes, it's about hanging out with Jesus and letting Him do whatever He wants to do. Now, we have a guideline for what He wants to do, and it's going to be pure and holy. It's not like God's going to let you start stealing your neighbor's wallet and money and stuff. Okay, there's obviously a a pattern here. But what I'm saying, it's all of you, 90% of you come here every week, and this is your church. Listen to me. What I'm saying is you need to get deep in God's presence and let Him shake you sometimes. Now, by the way, I'm going to show you about 20 different manifestations of shaking and rolling and laughing. So, you know, you might be like, well, which one do I do? Do I shake, rattle, or roll? You know? (laughs) Which one do I do? Well, here's the thing. (laughs) Here's the revelation. It's not 
you in charge anymore. <laughs> you don't sit down and think to yourself, now I'm going to shake for Jesus. You see, this is the whole point. This is the whole point of this conversation is we've come to church and told Jesus what He's going to do. We've said, Jesus, what you're going to do is bless our couple minutes of worship. Then you're going to bless our special song. Then you're going to bless our children's ministry. And we never even stop to ask, what do you want to do, Jesus? Do you want us all just to find the fear of God and tremble in your presence? Do you want to give us joy? Do you want to give us peace? You see, God just needs to take control. Look at the Scripture right here. It says, verse 9, Concerning the prophets, my heart is broken within me. All my bones tremble. I am like a drunken man, like a man overcome by wine, because of the Lord and His holy words. So here you see shaking and trembling and looking and appearing like a drunk person coming because of the fear of God. Now in the book of Acts, you see the shaking, the trembling, and, and, and the drunk. They think they're drunk, but it's because of the joy of God. And I can, I'm going to show you both. But right here, it just shows you that when this man, Jeremiah, got connected with God, God came from heaven and touched him. It's like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like I'm like a drunken man. I can't stop shaking. It's like, think about that. You might say, well, does God like to do that? Obviously, He does because He did it. He, he broke a man's heart. He broke a man's heart. I saw that Friday at youth service. I've seen it here in our services where God breaks people's hearts. They tremble under the Word. They tremble under God's presence. We've seen it. That's what God is here to do. You will never... Let me just help everybody out here as I pause in the middle of this message of what God wants to do and through us and all of this. Let me just say this. If you're thinking to yourself, well, God doesn't have to do that and I don't believe that's real, then show me where it's real for you to come to church and three, sing three songs and not feel God and go home. Tell me where that's real. You understand what I'm saying? See, that makes absolutely no sense. If you read this Bible, you know, if you're going to be honest, if you read this Bible, then your pastor's actually telling you guys the truth. If you read this Bible, then you actually read that there's people that see miracles, there's people that encounter God, there's people that shake under His presence, there's people that go out and preach, there's people that have dreams and visions. Hello, somebody, the whole Bible was written by men that had encounters with God that wrote it down, the book of Revelations, you know what I'm talking about? If you take the Bible at face value, it's a book of miracles. It's a book of signs and wonders. We need signs and wonders again. Turn with me to uh, Acts 7.32. Just what happens when God gets in the building. I'm not saying you control what happens. I'm just saying let God take control. Let God have His way. I'm tired of stale religion. Look what happened when Moses got hooked up with God. You know Moses, that guy in the Bible who spent 40 days and 40 nights on a mountain? The guy who came down and his face shone bright as the sun and they had to ask him to put a veil over his face. That man that split the Red Sea in two. Hello, guys. The one that took his staff and hit a rock and water came out. Now, is that a lie or is that the truth? I mean, this man had some encounters with God. Look at this. Verse 33, it says, or verse 32, it says, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare look. How many of you think would fear and tremble and not look if you heard the Lord speaking to you from a burning bush? Two of you? See, the rest of you, you've got to get out of your lazy mind right now. You, you, see, let me just pause another time. Everybody turn with me to James. Turn with me to the book of James. I've got to take another little detour right here. Because I want to show you right now, because many of you might be thinking, well, if God wants to do that, that's just what He'll do. And that's partly true. But you having an encounter with God is not an option. It's not a choice. You having an encounter with God needs to start right now by you wanting to draw near to Him. Start, uh, turn to James chapter 4. Look at verse 7. We'll even go back up to verse 6. Well, how about verse 4? Let's just read it all. Amen. Go to verse 4. Once again, the Bible is going to be a little direct with you here. So those of you that get sensitive, get on a little tough skin right here. You adulterous people. <laughs> Who do you think he's calling adulterous people right here? 
Those that are cheating on God living for the world. What's it like when a Christian knows better how they ought to live, what they ought to do, and they don't do it? The Bible says they're an adulterer. They're cheating on God. Look what the Bible calls them. You adulterous people. See, I was telling my friends that they were on the highway to hell. I should have just looked at them and said, you adulterous people. You whoremongers of the Spirit. That's the truth. You fornicators on God's behalf. You liars and cheaters. That's what it calls them right there. It says, you adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Don't you know that if you want to come to church and not be a friend of God and still be a friend of the world, you are an adulterer, you are a two-timer? Don't you know that you make a choice in life who you are a friend of? That's what this is all about today. That's why I had to pause and show you this. Who do you want to hang out with today? Who do you want to experience? Do you want to experience the laughter of this world, the fear of a horror movie, the excitement of a baseball game, soccer game? Or do you want to be a friend of God? If all you do is love this world, get excited about this world, have your emotions tickled in this world, then you are an adulterer. It says anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the spirit He caused to live in us envies intensely? So the Bible says that spirit that God gave you, if you are a Christian, the spirit of God is in you and it envies. It is jealous of what you do with your life. But He gives us more grace. Look how God gives us grace. This is why the Scripture said God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So God is looking for humble people. Now look what it says, verse 7. Submit yourselves into God. Resist the devil and he will free from you. Here it is. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Start off with wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Did you see what the Bible calls people? Sinners. But wash your hands. Get in his presence. Change your laughter to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and then He'll lift you up. So everybody needs to come to God. And that's a message towards the sinners. Then the Bible says He'll give you joy and peace. So let's start over again now. Do you want to experience God? I should have asked you that. Do you want a close encounter with God? Okay, I'm sorry, because, you know, I didn't, I didn't ask that at the beginning. I don't know. Maybe some of you don't. You know, I'm just being honest. Do you actually want to hang out with Him? Okay, amen. So if you want to hang out with Him, the Bible promises you, every time you come near to Him, He will come near to you. Starting over again, He will show up. And then the first thing He'll deal with is sin. If you're done with sin, if you're done living for the devil, and you're living holy for God, He's going to start moving on to these other things. The next one is the fear of God. He's going to show you how big He is. He's going to show you how great He is. And you may tremble at His presence. Are you all with me? Say amen. Praise God. Now let's go to number two. Go to John chapter 18, verse 6. You know what? I don't have time to go that one. Go to 1 Corinthians 14.25, please. 14.25. Number two, you may fall over. (laughs) You may fall down and fall down like a little tree. Fall down, go boom. 14.25 was the scripture I was saying when I was on the floor over here says, but if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes and while everybody is prophesying, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner and will be judged by all, and the secrets of his heart will be laid bare, so he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Praise God. Fall forward, fall backward, they may just fall down, Jesus is here. How many want a church where people fall down and say, Jesus is here? Amen. I'm just saying what the Bible says. I want to see people fall down, worship God, and say, wow, man, God is actually here. Man, you guys aren't like those other churches that are just talking about it. Dude, He is actually here. Shout out, blah, blah, blah. I worship you. Just, you know what I'm saying? I want them, I want people to have a close encounter with God. That's what it says. Jesus. Hallelujah. I love that. Number three. Don't have time to talk about the falling over, but it's all throughout the Bible. Falling down, falling in front of the presence of the Lord, the priests, etc. Number three. Now go to Acts 
uh, no, no, let's go to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel one twelve. We already talked about that. So let me give you 1 Samuel one twelve. Number three is you may be intoxicated with His presence. <laughs> you may get intoxicated with God. This idea that you're going to come here and just be like, hmm, just listen to the message and go home. That's not God, guys. That's boring. I don't even, that's not even our God. Our God is not boring. Once again, you see our God walking on water, splitting the Red Sea, knocking people over, causing them to shake. And the next thing that you see is God takes away their, their, their awareness of their normal situation and makes them intoxicated like they were drunk and puts them in the spirit. Dude, you guys, a dude, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, you've got to understand this. God is bigger than your little mind. And if you get into the Spirit, the first thing that He has inside of His heart is not your dignity or, or awkwardness. Do you know how many times God has done things in our service that just makes everybody feel awkward? But it doesn't matter. Who cares? God is not thinking like sociably what's awkward and appropriate right now. I think about the time that Tisa and Jean came and, and they preached on a Sunday morning. And I, I appreciate my sister right here, Annette, because they preached. And I remember uh, Pastor Jean, he just got done. He just, you know, he preached about the glory. There are missionaries to Mozambique. He preached. It was a wonderful message. No music. He just sets down the mic and then he lays on his face right at the altar. And I'm just like, awkward. Like, Nobody's moving. He didn't say, bow your head and pray. He didn't say, talk to God for a minute. He just sat down the mic and just went right to his face. And I'm like super like sensitive to like service order. I always wanted to make everybody feel comfortable. That's why this is so weird for me, getting in God's glory and actually letting him, him touch me because it's so weird at times, you know. But he doesn't care about our awkwardness. Then all of a sudden, you see Annette from the back just start crying. It's like, yeah. And then he, you just see her walking down the aisle. Just, I'm so serious. Yeah. Right on her face at the altar. And then, bam, Jesus came. Dude, I fell on my face. We're all weeping. We're intoxicated with God. And I thank God that she just didn't care. It's just like that's what God was doing. That's what God wanted to do. We didn't need that. Like say, now everybody close your eyes. Listen to the soft music. Dude, he, he just showed me. That brother just showed me God will do it without all of our little help. Amen? Even though I like having you back there, it makes me feel good. Amen? It helps me. Praise God. Look at 1 Samuel. Verse 12, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 12. Look what happened to Samuel. Or, or rather Saul, it's in the book of Samuel, but his name is Saul, he's a king. I'm on a whole different story right now, I'm sorry. This is now Hannah, rather, praying, and the man thinking she's drunk. This is the showing what we talked about with uh, uh, Yvette right here. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. So I got the right story. Now, here's this story. is in Samuel. This woman is praying at the altar, and she's probably shaking and crying. Her lips probably quivering. She's not saying much, but she has tears coming down her eyes. And the priest thinks she's drunk, but she's not. She says, No, I'm not. I've just been you know, here praying. I'm in anguish. Now, I want you to show the one of joy. I want you to see Saul here. Uh, go to uh, 1 Samuel 19, 23. Because you guys have seen that we... You know, because here's one of the things. We always get used to people crying in God's presence. We think, like, the only thing you're going to do is cry. But you, do, you can do a lot more than cry. Amen? Jesus is not always crying in heaven, okay? And it's wonderful that you do cry. Praise God, God's touching you. But it's not always going to come the same way. It's not always just going to be like, oh, I'm crying. He can make you laugh. He can make you shout. He can make you roll on the floor. Just let God take control. Amen? I just want to let everybody be released from the crying spirit, okay? If you love to cry, God bless you. You may cry in God's presence. But there is more than crying, okay? I'm going to show you now. 1 Samuel 19, 23. And I thank God for that. I mean, I'm always a crier. I love to cry. I was crying today and laughing. 
Amen. It's kind of like at the same time, but it's okay. God's just touching me. It's just our emotions, man. It's, I'll get into that in a minute. But go to 1 Samuel 19.23 and see what God did when he got a hold of this man, Saul. And we'll talk about our emotions in just a minute. Look at verse 19. When, when word came to Saul, David is at Naoph Ramah, so he sent men to capture him. But when they saw a group of prophets prophesying, with Saul standing there as their leader, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Saul's men, and they also prophesied. Saul was told about it. He sent more men, and they prophesied. Saul sent men a third time, and they also prophesied. Finally, he himself left for Ramah and said, what is going on? Okay, now verse 23, Saul goes to this place, but the Spirit of the Lord came even upon him. He walked along prophesying until he came to Naoth. He stripped off his robes and also prophesied in Samuel's presence. He lay that way all day and night. This is why the people say, is Saul also among the prophets? How many know he was pretty intoxicated in his mind to start stripping off his clothes and saying, I am feeling Jesus as he's prophesying? Lord, help us get a picture of that right now. Just close your eyes. Come on, isn't that funny? Think of a king taking off his clothes and being somewhat naked, maybe in his undergarments. And he's just prophesying. Jesus, ah, I love you. Ah, you know, he's just there prophesying. You know, you're the wind and the fire, the rain. He's taking off his shirt. He's taking off his belt, kicking off his shoes. And he laid that way all day and night. Now, you tell me the Lord wasn't messing with him. Read the story. What Saul was trying to do was capture David, the, the one that God wanted to be king. This guy Saul was trying to capture him. And God says, no, I'm just going to put my spirit on you, and you're just going to get drunk in my spirit, and you're going to forget all about him and get concentrated on me. So that's when he sent the first group of men. They start getting drunk in the spirit. They start prophesying. The next one, the next one. Then Saul's finally like, hey, man, I'm going to come and take care of this myself. And then before you know it, you know, taking off his clothes, laying there night and day in God's presence. And there's Samuel, the prophet, right before him, just going, more, more, Shabbat. More. It says right there in Samuel's presence. Hmm. Oh, I love you guys. Thanks for coming today. Amen. Go to Ezra 3.13. Now we're going to go to laughing and shouting and joy in God's presence. Don't you just want to get in God's presence? Amen. Amen. Now you're understanding what's going on. You can laugh. You can cry. I mean, let God lead you. Now, the thing I was going to tell you about the emotions as you go to uh, Ezra 3.13, as your emotions are right now, they are controlled by your mind. And that's good. That's a good thing. I'm glad that we're not crazy and we're not just, you know, shouting out stuff like, ah, you know, like walking down the street, ah, you know. I'm glad that God gave us a mind, okay? But the Bible says, be led by the Spirit, so now it's not just what you want to feel. It's what the Spirit is feeling. So you come on a Sunday morning, 9.15 prayer meeting. What is your mind saying? I ought to be in bed right now. Your mind is saying, I ought not to be doing this and spending time in God's presence. I ought to be in my bed. But what you do is you say to your mind, mind, soul, you will bless the Lord. And you let God's Spirit take over. And you may begin to see the fear of the Lord and shake in His presence. You may begin to get intoxicated and start prophesying. You may do what they did in Ezra 3.13. You may begin to shout and laugh with joy. Look at what it says. It says, No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. The Bible says that when they built the new temple, some were crying out of like, you know, repentance because they had lost the first one and others were just shouting for joy and it was just such a noise and that's the way it is sometimes in our services you may have person right here they were doing the freaky deaky last last night they were looking at www.bighooters.com okay and they're right here and they're like jesus jesus i'm sorry and then the next person right here is just like more jesus ah! and then this just becomes a roar are you listening that's what it said. It says people cannot distinguish the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping. They go together. Look at, um, look at Psalm 16, 11. 
Psalm 16:11. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Some of y'all about ready to get a revelation right now. Psalm 16:11. Jesus. Look at this, man. This has changed my life. I mean, just think about this and tell me what it means. Psalm 16:11. If you're there, say I'm there. You have made me to know the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. What is what does joy sound like? Does joy sound like what this is right now, like this room? <laughs> Hello. Does joy sound like what did my brother just do? He laughed. What does joy sound like? What does it sound like when you and I are having fun? What do my wife and I do all the time? We laugh. What do you do with your friends? God says He gives us the fullness of joy. Ha ha. He he. It's okay to laugh. I'm not here like trying to figure out is God making me laugh or is He making me laugh? Just laugh. Ha ha. He he. Ho, ho, ho. It's okay. From your belly, we laugh. The Bible says in our innermost being, the Spirit causes us to laugh. And even science tells you that in your soul when you laugh, it brings healing to your body. It does something in your, in your mind. It, it releases things. They went to the, you know, the, uh, the intensive care ward and they found out what makes the difference between those who get out and those who don't. It's the ability to laugh. It's the ability to find joy in life. And here Jesus is saying, God is saying, the fullness of joy is in my presence. So when we get together with God, we're not always weeping about our sin because we should be learning to live without sin. Amen? So when I come to church today, like this morning, I'm not like, Lord, forgive me. I'm just a sinner. I'm a dirty sinner. No, I'm not a dirty sinner. I've been washed clean. Jesus loves me. I went to bed last night loving my wife. We celebrate our third year anniversary. Amen? Praise God. And I went to bed satisfied. Praise the Lord. And then I woke up this morning with no sin. I haven't sinned yet today. People, can you actually believe that? Joe hasn't sinned today yet. I've just come to church, plop myself down right there, and I'm just like joy like a river. Flow through me, Jesus. Just receive it. Amen? Everybody could use a dose of joy. Amen? Oh, praise God. How about feeling energy? Go to Mark 5.29. We were praying at our youth service and there was a guy that came up to get saved. And as I was praying for him, it's just like it was just like electricity. That's the only way I can describe it. it just flowed right through me as I'm praying for him. And I, I just asked him, I said, did you feel that? He said, man, I felt that. Some of you are going to feel that right now. Just, God, hello, here he is. That's what I felt when I first prayed with my mother at the kitchen table. That's what converted me, was feeling God's power. Right at the kitchen table, my mom said, you ask Jesus in your heart, He'll come. He's real. I said, Jesus, if you're real, show yourself. He touched me just like that. Bam! That quick. Just like that. Some of you have had that, but you lost that. We need to get back with that. Amen? God gives us fire. He gives us energy. He gives us power. You can feel Him on the inside. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Look at this right here. This woman touches Jesus, and she gets healed. We'll start in verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd, touched his cloak, because she thought, if I just can touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed in her suffering. She knew it. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He felt it leave him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? I'm telling you, many of you that are praying with people and you're praying at the altar calls, you can feel when God's moving through you. You can just feel. How many know what I'm talking about? And that's just the power of God. And there's so much more of that. The power. I don't even have time to show you all these scriptures. If you want them more, I can give them to you. And then lastly, some of the things that we are more accustomed with is feeling peace. Look at Romans 15, 13. When we get with God, we can feel overwhelming peace. So it's not always shake, rattle, and roll. Sometimes it's just, oh, God, 
oh, I just feel so at peace. You know, maybe you came here and there was all these troubles on your mind and all these things in the world. But you get into God's presence. The Spirit of God is here. He is in you. You release Him. He begins to take control. And one of the things He can do is bring you peace. Hallelujah. says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy. Glory to God. And peace as you trust in Him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, that's not just talking about peace. You know, like these guys go and meditate like, hmm, I'm coming to peace. No, what it's saying is power. God comes and breaks strongholds over your life. And just peace settles on your mind. And joy begins to come. And so many times when God's bringing peace and joy, that's when the tears of joy come, right? You're just all so thankful. You feel so relieved that God is on your side. Amen? Do you know that feeling I'm talking about? Well, now all the way start to finish from spending time with God to hearing His voice to, to being shaked to being uh, caused to weep and, and, and fall out and, and laugh and be in a drunken state to the peace all of this is saying God is with us He's here and He goes out with us now as we go out and preach as we go out and share His Word you're not going to be a dry vessel on Sunday morning and go out and prophesy and cast out devils on Saturday night at evangelism. You're not going to be able to see healings at your workplace, healings in your family, and all those things unless you start to see it flow here. We need to see God's power flow here. I'm not talking to the visitors right now. I'm talking to our members. Listen, guys, it needs to start with us. We need to come and drink deep. We need to be the ones that come and be filled of God. Then the Bible says the lost people in our meetings will see God's presence in us. They'll sense the difference, and then they'll want to have what we have, and they'll repent, and they'll get right, and then they'll come take a drink with us. Amen? Would you stand to your feet with me today? Praise God. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way, Lord. Amen. Come on, just raise up your hands and say, have your way, Jesus. Jesus, have your way today. You see, it's not about what you and I want. Now do you get it? It's just what He wants. Just say, Lord, have your way. You start to draw near to Him. You start it off. You start it off. You come to Him and say, I want you. I want you. Then He'll come to you. He'll do whatever He he wants. He'll come to you with joy. He'll come to you with laughing. He'll come to you with peace. Come on, just come to Him. And not just today, but every time we get in the Lord's presence, every time, just begin to say, this is my time to have an experience with God. Come on, Jesus, have your way. We open up the altars right now to those that are sinners. Those that need to come and be washed by the blood, come to this altar right now quickly.